0: Despite the revision of CDC guidelines and COVID-19 numbers that continue to fall, many on the left can't shake the lockdown mentality. So, who's denying the science now? Friends, it's time for Hold the Line.
1: But here are some of the highlights. The bill ensures that neither the state nor local governments can close business or keep kids out of in-person instruction unless they satisfy demanding and continuous justifications one of the things i think has been so problematic about this is that there are different policies that have been enacted particularly in other parts of the country different restrictions or mandates and they're done and then even when the evidence refutes the effectiveness or the need or the justification for them they continue on and sometimes they're even re-upped
0: welcome to hold the line i'm buck sexton governor ron DeSantis of florida blazing the trail back to normalcy back to freedom once again saying you're not going to be able to keep doing this petty local and city tyrants you're not allowed to just decide you're going to take emergency powers into your hands and then continue them even when you said you won't based on the data this has been happening all the country DeSantis says in florida no more of that nonsense not happening not allowed so that's good news to be sure we have at least one state where it seems those there's some degree of of sanity we have one state where there's some willingness it seems to me to be able to look at things as they are instead of through this constantly politicized negative lens of what about what fauci says i mean if you listen to fauci you're going to be living the rest of your life in a closet terrified of going outside it's nuts desantis is not the only one fortunately there's the governor of oklahoma who isn't even waiting, DeSantis said in July that all goes into effect. No vaccine passports, no um, orders coming up based on emergency power, arbitrary orders from city or county governments in Florida. And over in Oklahoma, the governor is saying, as of tomorrow, we're opening up. Here's what the data in Oklahoma shows.
2: Our seven-day average of new cases is down 94% from its peak. And our new cases per capita are some of the lowest in the country. Hospitalizations, they're down 90% and they've been stable for two months. We've administered more than 2.5 million doses of the COVID vaccine. The data shows COVID-19 is no longer an emergency. That's why I'm withdrawing my emergency declaration
0: effective tomorrow, Tuesday, May 4th. Here we are. Effective today. That was yesterday. So we are seeing states that are looking to go back to normal as soon as they can. And they're making declarations to that effect. Isn't this a a point of shared and universal happiness? Shouldn't every person in America say, wow, great. You mean that there is a a return to normalcy plan that we're taking steps? We're not just being promised at some arbitrary point way 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 in the future maybe you can start walking around without a mask on all the time no we're being told this is going to happen sooner in some states other states though and other localities are dug in it's almost like this has become a quasi-religious belief for them or this is when it comes to lockdowns and mitigation measures and all the rest of the covid protocols that have been jammed down our throats for over a year It's almost like this is really a religious belief for them. This is what they're most comfortable with. They don't want to let this go. Here is uh, a report actually about Brookline, Massachusetts, where the state of Massachusetts has said no more outdoor mask mandate, but Brookline is keeping its mandate and we get to hear why. We're talking about outdoors though. And one of the things that we've Heard for the last year is, is follow the science, follow
1: the science. And you know you're what, like 18 times less likely to catch COVID outdoors. The positivity rate in Brookline now is, I think, 0.5%. It's really, it's really low. So isn't following the science at this point, wouldn't it be lifting the mask
2: mandate? Well, I would say we followed the science in the beginning when we instituted the mask mandate, when CDC said that asymptomatic people didn't have to wear masks. But also, you have to look at it. We did hear the science that it was temperature controlled as well. So if COVID is more likely to persist in colder climates, right now it's 40 degrees outside.
0: Uh, that's not an answer. <laughs> right? But, you know, this is what you get. You have these authoritarians in bureaucracies across the country and they just say, follow the science, as, as though that's the argument endurance. oh, okay, in that case, the whole thing is absolutely absurd. There's also contradictory messages coming from people who are very senior in the science or scientific community. You got uh, Dr. Osterholm, who is the uh, director, for center, uh, director of the Center for Infectious Disease Research. He's t- out there telling people, and he was a senior advisor to the Biden administration in the transition about COVID. He's saying if you're vaccinated, go out and party. No, I mean, he's actually saying that. We still want to be very careful. We still have a lot of work to do. But
2: if you're among vaccinated people, party hard, party hard. You know, invite people over to your house, do family related things, but get vaccinated. If there was ever a time to want to incentivize people to get vaccinated, it's now. Because if you do, you can basically protect yourself and have all the kind of socialization that you want to do.
0: Party hard, he says. Now, granted, that is for vaccinated people, but is that a message that you're hearing for the vaccinated in general from the CDC or from the Biden administration? No. In fact, Joe Biden, as you know, continues here. We, we've got him. This is a photo recently after the CDC guidance. He's still walking outside with a mask on. Now, it's quite clear. It was quite, quite clear for all of us after the CDC came out that you don't need a mask outside if you're vaccinated. You've never needed a mask outside if you're vaccinated. The whole idea is absurd, yet Biden and Joe Biden are wearing masks. Why? Because this is an identifier. This is about political tribe. This is about, look at me, I'm one of the good mask people. Hmm, interesting, isn't it? Yeah, not really about the science so much. Oh, speaking of the science, former President Jimmy Carter uh, had a visit from Joe Biden and you'll notice that I just showed you a photo of Biden outside. Here's inside, indoors. I don't know how old Jimmy Carter is or his wife, but I mean, first of all, that as people have pointed out, they look like, you know, uh, Frodo and Mrs. Frodo. They look tiny in these photos because of the angle, I guess. But they're very, very elderly, even older than Joe Biden. And no masks in the photo, up close indoors. So I'm sorry. Whoa, they wear ma- Joe Biden will wear masks for the cameras outside. But when he goes inside with a couple of very elderly people, up close, no masks. What's that all about, folks? It's all arbitrary nonsense to these tyrants, don't you see? They don't really care. It didn't really matter what the reality of the different risk profiles are they're dealing with at any point in time. What matters is whether they're in control and they feel good about themselves. Does this advance their power? Is this an opportunity for virtue signaling? Those are the questions that matter under these circumstances to Democrats. All this other stuff about the science. Yeah, please. Oh, here's Biden telling you today, just today, listen to the science, the CDC.
2: There's a lot of misinformation out there, but there's one fact I want every American to know. People who are not fully vaccinated can still die every day from COVID-19.
0: We know people die every day from a lot of things too, but we don't shut down all of society. Here's more of Biden from earlier today.
2: Our goal by July 4th is to have 70% of adult Americans with at least one shot and 160 million Americans fully vaccinated. That means giving close to 100 million shots, some first shots, other second shots, over the next 60 days.
0: Do you think that at that point, they'll finally relent on all the control measures that are in place? Do you think you can go into a grocery store and not have to breathe, you know, your, your own CO2 back into your mouth the whole time? You, you think that's like, Nope. Nope. They're not going to, even if they get to those numbers. And that's the problem. This is what Ron DeSantis is trying to prevent in Florida. Even when we hit the benchmarks they set, they just move the benchmarks. They say, oh, it's still dangerous, still dangerous. As if the things they're doing, as if the lockdowns and the mask mandates protected us in the first place. We never really locked down in this country. You always have to remember that. We always did some version of a partial lockdown with lots of people who are considered essential workers and other carve-outs for folks to be able to keep going into their office and doing their jobs. And the virus kept spreading. It mostly spreads in the home, as you know, where the government, fortunately to this point at least, doesn't have quite the same kind of power to tell you what you can do, although they wish they could change that, as you know. The Biden administration is a disaster in so many ways, and the messaging around vaccines and around reopen, yet yet another place where you could point to enormous failure. All right, speaking of politicizing the science, it was recently revealed that the American Federation of Teachers had a hand in crafting the CDC's guidelines on reopening schools. After the break, we discuss teachers' unions' efforts to keep schools closed with the Heritage Foundation's Jonathan Butcher. Stay with us. If you've ever thought about investing in real estate, I want you to take me up on this recommendation right now. Visit doneforyoubuck.com. You can find more about my friends at Done For You Real Estate at that site, okay? If you haven't checked them out yet, I'll make this easy for you. These guys have found a way to make real estate investing straightforward, and their system flat-out works. It allows everyday hardworking Americans like you and me to finally own investment real estate without all the risk and difficulty of doing it on your own. Look, it's tough to tell you in this quick commercial about all the ways they help. So how about this? If you visit doneforyoubuck.com, at the top of that website, there is a podcast interview I did with Done For You Real Estate where you could hear my experience with their company in my own words. Visit doneforyoubuck.com. Listen to the podcast interview and give my friends at Done For You Real Estate a chance to show you what they can do for you. Again, one more time, go to doneforyoubuck.com and click on the podcast interview at the top of the page. The United Federation of Teachers has been working overtime to keep America's schools shuttered. Not only have they publicly opposed reopening, but now we've learned that they're, uh, they've been manipulating the CDC, uh, CDC guidance behind the scenes. A recent report by the New York uh, Post reads, The American Federation of Teachers lobbied the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention on an even suggested language for the federal agency's school reopening guidance released in February. Powerful teachers uh, teachers union's full court press preceded the federal agency putting the brakes on a full reopening of in-person classrooms, uh, according to emails between top CDC, AFT, and White House officials. The report continues, the lobbying paid off. In at least two instances, language suggestions offered by the union were adopted nearly verbatim into the final text of the CDC document. Follow the science, they said. Did they do that? Well, to teach you a lesson, of course, they pretended to. They are teachers, after all. In a recent tweet, Randy Weingarten, the president of the American Federation of Teachers, wrote, I think many people who saw teachers as glorified babysitters Got a reality check this year when schooling had to be done at home. Teachers deserve respect and recognition for all the ways they help communities. So not only do they want to keep your kids' school shut down, they want you to thank them for it. Joining us now is Jonathan Butcher. He's the Will Skillman Fellow in Education at the Heritage Foundation. Jonathan, good to have you. Great to be with you. Any surprise, anything you want to add to this notion that the CDC was in a PR back and forth for the proper way to describe why the schools should not be open, which in my opinion, they should have been all along.
1: Well, I think it's important to note that about one third of schools around the US are still not back to full in-person instruction. And this includes large cities. Districts like Los Angeles are still going to part-time as well as in Seattle, where even if students are there for in-person learning, it's part-time for the day, right? It's not a full day worth of school. So we need to understand that this is now another full school year plus half of the last school year or part of the last semester where students have not been back for in-person instruction.
0: What do we know about the demands of teachers unions for, for the areas that are not in in-person instruction fully yet are, are there still rumblings at least that the expectation will be children have to be vaccinated as well as educators because that was talked about and then they quieted down but we have a whole another school year starting in September.
1: Well, I think it's important to remember that what happened after the spring last year, when uh, teacher unions realized that schools would not be opening to in-person instruction right away in the fall in many of these large cities, was that they started to advocate for ideas and policy goals that had nothing to do with schools. Things like forgiving rents and mortgages uh, and getting police out of schools, if not out of communities entirely. So unions have capitalized on this opportunity
0: to be in the spotlight,
1: to advocate for their other policy
0: goals. What is it that the unions really want here? Why, why? is it just that they want their, uh, their members to have the option to zoom in from the couch for all eternity or what? Well, I think it's clear from
1: what has been so far a pretty cozy relationship with the Biden administration that the unions are excited to see taxpayers spend a considerable amount, perhaps even an untold amount, of new spending on uh, public schools. This could possibly mean the hiring of additional employees, which would then mean more union members in the future. I mean, the amount of money that Biden is talking about in his uh, recent proposals from infrastructure uh, and beyond are This is money that has not been considered for public schools, perhaps ever. And given the research we have on the relationship between student achievement and spending, uh, we know that this will increase their bureaucracy that's in schools and not go to what student needs in the classroom.
0: Can you give us a sense of what kind of political sway does the teachers' union really represent for the Democrats, just in terms of, of donations, of membership? I mean, I think if people had a better and more readily available understanding of the political muscle behind teachers' unions, which are entirely behind the Democrat Party. This is not a bipartisan thing. Uh, They might feel very differently about the way some of these negotiations go on. Can you give us a sense of it? Well, all you have to do
1: is look at what has happened in some of the metro areas in the past six months that have been trying to figure out how to get kids back in class. So take Chicago, right? The union successfully told their members not to come back even after the district and the mayor said that it was teachers should be back for in-person instruction. Union said no, there was a standoff and reopening was delayed. And the reopening, especially for high school students, uh, was delayed even longer than it was for elementary and middle school. All of this replayed itself in Philadelphia just a few weeks later. So even when district officials and local leaders are saying to teachers, uh, we are ready to open for in-person instruction, if the union says no, uh, the districts so far have backed down, right? And they've given in. So that means that the needs of the unions are being put ahead of the needs of students and teachers.
0: We have here the Biden Education Secretary, Miguel Cardona, defending the teachers' union's uh, slowness to want to return to in-person instruction. Here's what he said.
1: So if we can't blame President Biden for the fact that many schools are still closed, uh, do we blame teachers' unions?
0: No, I think that uh,
1: another quick... uh, Reopening schools in the middle of a pandemic is not as easy as uh, some may think. You know, I remember serving as uh, sec- as commissioner of education in Connecticut when we were making decisions and you know there's some schools that are very over 100 120 years old with old ventilation systems and um, we have to make sure that those schools are operational and that they're they're safe and that there's good communication around those strategies that are needed in order to safely reopen schools.
0: I mean, it just honestly just sounds like a bunch of blather and the whole point is, oh, well, no one's really to blame for this, even though the science, so to speak, has indicated it's perfectly safe to reopen schools. There are places in the country that have had in school or in-person teaching in schools for the entire school year in 2020, 2021, private and parochial schools in particular have been doing that, they have not been scenes of death and despair from COVID, quite the contrary. So are people, Jonathan, meaning parents, Uh, finally seeing this for what it is? Is is there a backlash against the teachers' unions?
1: Well, look, to start with, you're right. Some 60% of private schools around the country have been open to in-person instruction for this school year. And look, if we're talking about April, even March, we're not talking about the middle of the pandemic, right? I mean, we have uh, vaccines which we hope are bringing for most of the country uh, closer to the end of a pandemic rather than saying we're at the beginning or the middle. Remember last year, the Trump administration also delivered money in significant sums to the tune of 13 billion last March, another 50 plus billion in December. So the money has been there for schools to use for months now and just a small fraction of it has been spent To your latter point, are parents realizing what's going on? I think they are, and state lawmakers are too. I mean, look at what's happened in West Virginia, Kentucky, which were union strongholds for many years, have passed private school choice options for families just this year. You even have lawmakers in places like Rhode Island uh, talking about lifting a ban on charter school growth in that state. And that's just a sample of what's happening with public and private school choice around the country. That's the story coming out of the pandemic, is that families have realized that. Districts have let them down, and now parents can take these matters and should be into their own hands, and state lawmakers should be giving them the opportunity to make make decisions and choices over how and where their children learn.
0: Jonathan, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Coming up, the CEO of a small software company takes a stand against wokeness and loses a third of his workforce promptly thereafter. We've got more on the continuing struggle against woke corporatism in tonight's Buck Brief. I have warned you about home title theft. That's where cyber thieves remove you from your home's title and become the owner. I said, you better get home title lock because it's coming. Well, if you're on Facebook, the big breach is here. Facebook had 500 million accounts exposed to cyber thieves. And according to a retired FBI cyber crime expert, everything thieves need to take over as the new owner of your home was leaked. Name, address, personal information, it's out there. The thief forges your signature on a quit-claim deed stating you sold your home to him. He'll leave you in debt or even have you evicted. Well, do what I did. Protect your home's title with Home Title Lock. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim. Then sign up for 30 free days of protection during this high-risk breach. Again, go to HomeTitleLock.com. Use that promo code radio. Take action today. HomeTitleLock.com, promo code RADIO. Taking a stand against wokeness is no small feat. Just ask the CEO of the small software company Basecamp, who banned talking about politics at his company, saying, quote, no more societal and political discussions on our company Basecamp account. Today's social and political waters are especially choppy. Sensitivities are at 11 and every discussion remotely related to politics, advocacy, or society at large quickly spins away from Pleasant. It has become too much. It's a major distraction. It saps our energy and redirects our dialogue toward dark places. It's not healthy, it hasn't served us well, and we're done with it. Well, his employees didn't take it well. One third of the workforce took a buyout package or just resigned outright. Let's dive into how companies are going to deal with the new wave of woke employees in the Buck Brief. Basecamp is a Chicago-based company that does software. Wants to just keep making software. It's been around for almost 20 years. The founder and some of the top people in the company have been with it for many, many years. And they decided that, given how tense politically things are right now, they just didn't want people getting into discussions on company time, on company using company resources about politics. You know, BLM, wokeness, critical race theory, any of that stuff, or just politics. You know, candidates, anything, Trump, Biden, whatever it may be. Employees didn't take kindly to this. In fact, one employee in an article on theverge.com who is not named but is identified as a black employee of the company, wanted to make sure that there were discussions about how the company is white supremacist. There's white supremacy in the company that he works for. And when the people at the top of the company rejected that characterization, this employee became irate and claimed that their refusal at Basecamp to say that there's white supremacy all throughout their company that makes software, Uh, was somehow further evidence of white privilege. So it's either admit your white supremacy or you're showing your white privilege with your refusal to accept your white supremacy. This is Soviet commissar talk. This is what the commies did to people in the Soviet Union, except it's going on today in America. Do what we tell you, agree with what we say, or else your mere refusal is in and of itself all the guilt we have to show in order to punish you. You won't go along with what we say? Clearly, you're part of the problem. These are subordinate employees in a company. Most of them are probably at will and can be fired for any number of reasons, and yet they think they should be able to tell their employer, and this was a, a lot of different uh, leftists who happen to work at base camp, what is acceptable political discourse, and they insist on being able to talk about politics on company time. Much of this came from, get ready for it, a list of names that the company had kept that were considered funny. Some of the names were Asian or African in origin. This is what has been reported again at Verge.com. So there was a list of funny names that someone had made of, of some of the customers of this company. And then other employees pointed to this and said that it was tantamount to violence to racial violence, to have this list of names. That holding a list of so-called funny names was the equivalent of calling for violence against certain communities of color. In fact, one employee likened it to genocide. Yes, that's right. To putting them on a pathway to genocide. These are emotionally, psychologically unwell adults, but they are in corporations all across America and they keep getting their way. Because they know the language to use. Oh, there's harm. Oh, there's harm. I feel unsafe. There's white supremacy at work here. All these things that immediately put the company itself on defense. Whoa, hold on a second. No one's, we're not white supremacists here. We we don't want to harm anybody. We don't want to be calling for violence against anybody by saying we should just focus on what this company does and not on politics. This is the America that we are all living in now one in which the radicals that now have graduated from their radical universities and increasingly were subject to extreme left-wing indoctrination as far back as grammar school, primary school, they then get to the corporate level and they have a lot of demands to make. They expect the company, even if the owners of the company disagree, they expect the company to reflect their politics and bend the knee to their political whims. And if the company won't do that if it won't put out statements of wokeness if it won't talk about how white supremacy is all throughout society and how we have to combat this with diversity and inclusion programs if they disagree with any of that they are mercilessly attacked and they go right on to social media and they start you know defaming the the organization or the individuals who are running it it's utter madness another place where this is happening is the coca-cola corporation where they decided that they would have 30% of all the billable hours of legal work for all of Coca-Cola, massive multinational corporation, had to be lawyers from communities of color, or non-white lawyers. Okay. Uh, Then they said that half of that 30% must be lawyers who are black. Now, this is also known in legal parlance as a quota and quotas are generally considered a violation of the Equal Protection Clause for obvious reasons. So now Coca-Cola has decided that they, might wa- that they will walk this back a little bit. You see, there were too obvious. The, the CEO, the British CEO of Coca-Cola was too obvious in the way that he was discriminating on the basis of race to favor certain non-white groups in this process which is exactly, what the, this is exactly what the point is. This is what happens with other affirmative action programs or diversity and inclusion programs. It is favoring some at the expense of others. Now, you can usually get away with it if it's a college admissions holistic process or the holistic hiring process. But when you start assigning number value, we need 30% this, this uh, group of people, right? People of this skin color will comprise the following percent of our lawyers, that starts to look like a legal challenge, a legal problem for them. So they had to back off this a little bit. What is going on with these companies and corporations all across America? They are in either the grip of the madness of employees, whether it's the CEO or just people far far down the organization chart who are always looking to make examples of others for their lack of wokeness, or they're just the company itself terrified of the repercussions of not being so social justice committed or social justice aware. We are seeing companies engage in madness and and individuals who want to forward ideas about things like a company's inherent white supremacy, again, a software company or Coca-Cola or whatever it may be. They want to be able to make very stupid arguments and demand a lot of power for themselves. And anyone who challenges them becomes a target for destruction who must lose his job and career. By the way, the senior, senior guy at base camp who said that he disagreed, he had been there for, I think, 18 years. Uh, he said he disagreed. Singer was the individual's last name. He disagreed with the white supremacist accusation about the company. Uh, he was forced out. Not allowed to say that. Not allowed to say that. Not allowed to say that you disagree with the formulation of the woke left. We fight against this, friends, or they keep winning. That's where we are. All right, Joe Biden keeping another promise made to his far-left base, quadrupling the cap on refugees allowed in the U.S. we got more on that with the executive director of the Center for Immigration Studies, Mark Krikorian, when we return. The president has been uh, committed to the refugee program and to rebuilding it and regaining our status as a world leader uh, in the refugee uh, affairs uh, since day one. And that has been unwavering. Uh, we're very proud of uh, the the announcement today and it reflects that an enduring commitment well there you have it president joe biden has raised the cap on refugees to over 62,000. we we've got our friend mark kirkorian from the center for immigration studies joining us now to talk about what secretary mayorkas just said and as this administration mark is still very much struggling to deal with the escalating surge of migrants at the southern border Tell us, why increase the cap on refugees when you're having 1,000 gotaways a day and 170,000 apprehensions at the US border on a monthly basis? Good
2: question. Um, On Twitter, I joke about this kind of thing. When there's a news story like this, I'll put solution, colon, more immigration. Well, they seem to have taken the joke seriously. Uh, Their border is in bad shape. We've got hundreds of thousands of people using claims of asylum, which is part of the refugee um, law, uh, as a gimmick to get into the United States. And now we're adding to that by uh, you know, increasing the number of refugees. There's an interesting twist, though. Um, the, they're not going to be able to admit 62,000 refugees this fiscal year, which ends at the end of September. One of our people um, blogged on this and his kind of cynical take on it is that one of the reasons they did this was not just uh, in response to the left going bonkers when he didn't do it earlier, but when he announces next year's refugee cap, which is expected to be 125,000, it won't seem like as big a jump he will have just doubled the number instead of increased it eightfold, which is what he's gonna be doing. So I think there's a couple things uh, at play here, none of them good and none of them likely to deal with better management of refugee issues.
0: So Will, is it likely then that some of the people who are coming across the Southern border right now, illegally, whether they're apprehensions or they're, you know, apprehensions who are trying to just come in or surrendering themselves to border patrol, Going through the processing, we show some of the migrant facilities here uh, alongside us on, on the screen. Can they end up, can some portion of them end up qualifying under the expanded refugee number that the Biden administration has just announced? Or is that, on, is that a different process? I mean, all this seems like it, after a while, the, the public must have a difficult time. I think people covering it have a difficult time following what's exactly going on here.
2: Yeah, it does kind of run together, frankly. But no, the people who have already snuck across the border, even though if they claim asylum, they're judged by the same yardstick. Whether they qualify as refugees under our law, refugees are people we go and pluck out of some foreign country and bring here. Asylum is for people who break in and then say, "You can't let you can't make me leave uh, because I qualify for asylum." The one area where there is, there's two areas, significant overlap. The first is, there's something called the Office of Refugee Resettlement, which deals with refugees once they're here, which is also tasked with taking care of all of these unaccompanied minors who have come over the border and finding who their relatives are and delivering them. The other overlap is that uh, Biden has said what he wants to do is set up refugee processing in Central America where we don't have refugee facilities now so that if people are picked, they would just be flown directly over the border. They'd never, the border patrol would never see them. They'd just be delivered directly to the interior of the United States. Um, So there's no question that these two parts of our system, refugees and asylum are related and they do overlap, but they're not exactly the same.
0: How high are the bars, uh, how high is the bar I should say for, for those who are trying to come in through this expanded cap program, because one of the issues that I, mean, I, I told you, Mark, all, offline, I just came back from McAllen, from the Rio Grande sector. I know you've been down there too. Uh, one of the issues that keeps coming up is that you have people who, they're economic migrants. They want to be in America. They don't want to be, in whether it's a Central American country or a lot of other countries, over 60 of them from around the world, they think America's a better shot, and I understand that. Uh, but that's not what refugee status is for. Is, is the program that the cap has been raised for also easy to game in the same way, or is it unlikely that people can just uh, play the system even when they wouldn't be falling under the traditional category of a true asylee?
2: It's harder to game refugee system be- precisely because you're not already in the United States. The way people game asylum which is they claim persecution, the same, the same kind of persecution as refugees have to show. But if they sneak across the border, they get an initial screening interview to see whether their fear is credible. It's called a credible fear interview. It's a shorthand for it. In other words, is Mickey Mouse talking to them through their dental work or not? Almost everybody passes it. And then under Biden policy and Obama too, they just let go into the United States and said, okay, file for asylum somewhere. Whether they win, lose, apply, don't apply, it doesn't matter. They're already here. They're never going to be located and removed. Whereas if you're in a refugee camp in Kenya, yes, there's some gaming in the sense of you can try to bribe the UN officials that oversee it. There is some of that going on, but it's a lot harder to game than asylum. That's why asylum is actually probably a bigger threat to the integrity to the sovereignty of the United States than refugees, because we have more control over the refugee resettlement program.
0: Uh, Jen Psaki said this that I wanted to have her react to it. Here's the White House Press Secretary. After four years of an immigration system rooted in destructive and chaotic policies, President Biden is taking the challenge head on and is building a fair, orderly, and humane immigration system. That's our objective. After coming into office, uh, our administration immediately jumped into action to address the influx of migrants at the border, something that began during and was exacerbated by the Trump administration. Hmm. Some <laughs> blaming of the of the Trump administration going on here, Mark. What What's the truth of it?
2: It's kind of comical. I mean, Trump, uh, Biden, uh, remember, he had his press conference back in March saying there's nothing special about what's going on at the border. It's the same thing every year. Same old, same old. What are you getting all worked up about? Now that he's got looked at his polling and immigration is the one area where Biden is actually underwater. um, Now, oh, it's Trump's fault. He didn't tell us this was gonna happen and he caused this nonsense. Talk to the illegal immigrants themselves or to the smugglers themselves. And they all say, of course, it's because of Biden. Obviously, that's why we're coming. In fact, we had a guy who went down to um, not where you were in McAllen, but further up river on the Texas border. And he, uh, on the Mexican side, visited with a smuggler. He actually, somebody knew somebody and they hooked him up. And so he's talking to this guy, the smuggler, who, mind you, is snorting coke and has hookers with him while he's talking to this guy Was a real smuggler. He's, he referred to Biden's rhetoric and his actions as la invitacion in Spanish, the invitation. The smugglers and the aliens all know this is totally because of Biden. Uh, you know, the White House press secretary is, you know, doing what White House press secretaries do, which is spin gullible reporters. Reporters' job should be not to be spun. Unfortunately, there's too many reporters who want to be spun by this administration. And so, you know, it's often hard to get out what's actually going on.
0: Mark Accorian. good to see you, Mark. Always appreciate it. racist tirade against a Latino police officer caught on camera shows the abuse that a lot of cops are subjected to on a daily basis. We get that story and more in Quick Hits. We're living in very uncertain times and being prepared for the unknown is more important than ever. I'm sure you've noticed the world we live in today is anything but predictable. The government is passing massive spending bills. The Federal Reserve is printing trillions of dollars in fiat currency. And many experts are predicting inflation could run rampant in the coming months. That could spell disaster for the dollars in your bank account we can all benefit from something a little more reliable right about now well what could be more reliable than real gold and silver i'm talking about real gold and silver you can actually hold right in your hands call the oxford gold group right now and learn how easy it is to get real gold and silver sent securely directly to your home or how you can have real gold and silver placed in your ira or 401k just call the oxford gold group at 833. 833- 600 gold and ask for your free guide on owning gold and silver again call the oxford gold group right now 833-600-gold the oxford gold group is the only gold company i trust call them right now 833-600-gold one more time that's 833-600-g-o-l-d a cop's body cam captures a racist tirade and new york governor andrew cuomo is apparently unfamiliar with the concept of irony we get those stories in quick hits let's get right to it this is out in los angeles county police officer pulls over a woman the woman is african-american the cop is uh latino or hispanic and uh, he pulls her over for for driving while using her phone not allowed to do that in los angeles this is how she responds to him Good morning,
1: which is and the speed limit is 40 and I was going 38. So why are you harassing? You're me? You're correct.
0: I pulled you over because, because
1: you're a murderer. Because uh, yes, I started to record because you can't you a murderer. be a, you can't be on your cell I, phone I while on you're on driving. My phone. I was recording you because you scared you can't, me can't. you, can have, you, and had that you picture? scared me and made me think you were going to murder me. Okay, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. Well, you're, that's not just a feeling. You're a murderer. Here you go,
0: ma'am. Sign inside for the red box a, right there. For him
1: being a Mexican racist. What is that name? It's on the citation, ma'am. Here you go, Mexican racist. You're always going to be a Mexican. You'll never be white. You know that, right? You'll never be white, which is what you really
0: want to be. You'll never be white, she says. Yeah. Maybe all the anti-cop rhetoric the Democrats constantly dabble in and all the pandering that goes on to BLM from prominent Democrats in places like California and all across the country Maybe it does result in some pretty unfair, harsh, and disgusting attitudes towards law enforcement. Just, just a thought, something I might want to put out there for all the libs. So, Governor Cuomo, still hanging on, and he likes to think of himself as a hero of the pandemic. Here's what he says about why you need to get vaxxed so you don't kill granny. There is an attitude that they'll be fine. Why should they take the vaccine? My argument is, yeah, maybe
1: you'll be fine. And by the way, you don't know that either. We've had a lot of young people who have died. Maybe you will get a
2: long haul syndrome that we're not really sure what it is yet, but a
0: lingering consequence of COVID. Or maybe you go home and kiss your grandmother and wind up killing your grandmother. Unfortunately, if there is one thing that Governor Cuomo has a lot of expertise in, it's killing old people with COVID. That's where we are here, folks. It's a guy whose order to fill the nursing homes with COVID positive patients coming out of hospitals was among the most catastrophic, most irresponsible, and that's why he hid it, of course, as long as he did. Wokeness is something we keep talking about here. And Snow White has now fallen afoul. Well, I guess actually the prince, the handsome prince, I forget the guy's name. Uh, He's fallen afoul of wokeness and this new era of social justice for everything. See this, Snow White is asleep and the handsome prince kisses her on the mouth. No consent. That's what we're told now. This is a non-consensual kiss. This is a part of rape culture. Not allowed. You can't have this. So now they're going to take that out. I'm not kidding. They're going to they're going to edit that that sequence out. And I don't know. Maybe uh, you know, maybe maybe the handsome prince puts two masks on her face to protect her from COVID or something. You know what I mean? This is the insanity. This is the world we live in now. It makes no sense. Caitlyn Jenner's running for governor of California. Here's a video of uh, Caitlyn's first effort.
1: I've always been a dreamer.
0: California was once the envy of the world. We had what everyone else wanted. The American dream grew up here. Yet career politicians and their policies have destroyed that dream. It's been locked away, closed, shuttered, left in the dark, burned. Gotta say, it was a strong ad from Caitlyn Jenner, first one out. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The no-spin news with Bill O'Reilly is up next. Shields High.